Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Nirmal Malaikul. You might not know it, but natural gas dominates the U.S. power supply, and its role as a source for electricity is only growing. But during two of the last three winters, natural gas hasn't had a good showing. In that time, blackouts across the country caused by major cold blasts left millions of people without power for days and hundreds dead, and it's partially because natural gas plants didn't show up when needed. Now, these concerns about natural gas aren't new for regulators, but the need for answers is only growing more urgent. So what are the solutions, and what does it mean for natural gas moving forward? Today, Politico's Catherine Morehouse on all of that and more. It's Thursday, March 23rd. In a nutshell, what's been happening is that natural gas power plants have kind of just repeatedly failed to work during periods of extreme cold weather in particular. And there are kind of a number of causes for that. One has to do with the supply of natural gas itself, which is fracked and then processed and then transported often via pipeline to the power plants, which then use that gas to produce power and send it to the grid. And so during periods of extreme cold, if any kind of piece of that long supply chain fails, then suddenly you don't have enough fuel flowing to that power plant. Another thing that can happen during these storms is that demand for heating goes up. And so if you're a natural gas supplier, then you're also supplying gas to local gas distribution companies that are in charge of keeping the heat on during winter. And those are usually the first in line to receive that supply ahead of the electricity providers. And then there are also essentially other little mismatches between the gas and electric sectors, which are operate in two completely separate markets. One example of that is that electricity markets run 24-7, 365 days per year, whereas gas markets, they sell their supply through longer-term contracts, and they don't necessarily need to worry about the day-to-day or hour-to-hour issues that electricity providers need to worry about. So that's, in particular, has been a problem during some of these storms when suddenly a power provider sees demand for power is up and supply is down if issues again on the supply chain and the shale fields, what have you. And so they maybe need more fuel, but the gas providers are not working, whatever it might be. And those problems you mentioned, along with the failures we've seen in some previous winters, come as federal regulators have been warning about the reliability of natural gas for over a decade now, right? This isn't a new thing. Right. So going all the way back to the 2011 freeze that hit Texas, as well as the polar vortex back in 2014, in both of those incidents, natural gas was just starting to take up a bigger and bigger share of the electric power mix and kind of slowly pushing out coal as the dominant mix. And so regulators were starting to see these issues during those periods of extreme cold and warn that this might become a problem as gas starts to make up a bigger portion of the power mix. Fast forward to winter storm Uri in Texas two years ago now, and all of a sudden we're seeing those issues again and we haven't addressed them yet. And I think that there are a couple of reasons why things haven't been addressed since then. One is the kind of gap between 2014 and 2021. There were more mild winters during that time and we didn't really have the same 
close calls. And so I think that the latest Texas storm was a lot of ways a wake-up call to the gas and electricity sectors. The other piece of it is there are financial barriers that make addressing this issue a little more complicated. For instance, the gas industry isn't really motivated to provide more flexible contracts, for instance, where maybe electricity providers could see gas come more quickly when they need it. They're motivated to have these long-term secure contracts. And at the same time, the power sector, they don't necessarily want to pay for longer term, more secure contracts because then costs will rise. And where do you get those costs? Often from customer bills and no one necessarily wants to see their power bills rise. So that part of it also adds another layer of difficulty to this problem. Got it. And you also noted in your reporting that this issue also has implications for the broader role natural gas could play as a dominant source for electricity in the United States. What exactly are those implications? Yeah, so there are kind of two issues here. One is on the reliability side of things. If we can't figure out how to better align the natural gas and electric sectors, then that's going to continue to create reliability risks for the power grid during these extreme cold periods. And maybe we have to turn to other on-site fuels like oil or coal, which is kind of actually what we're seeing now. And what that does is it creates an immediate climate problem in the sense that the power grid is emitting more carbon when it's burning fuels like oil and coal that emit more carbon. But it also makes transitioning off those fuels more complicated because in the next 10 to 15 years, we might see fuels like long-term energy storage or advanced nuclear or green hydrogen and other fuels that could pair with renewables. We might see them create a zero emissions grid, but for now, small gas plants are kind of our best bet to complement renewables. They can ramp up and down quickly, and they're just a much easier transition off clunkier, older coal plants. But if you can't rely on those plants in the winter, it makes the case for shutting down these higher emitting resources more difficult and just in general slows the whole transition toward these zero emissions fuel. Okay, so we've talked scope problems and failures. I mean, according to your sources, what are potential solutions here and who implements them? Yeah, so a lot of people think that FERC should kind of take the front seat here because it regulates the bulk power system and also has some oversight on the natural gas sector. And there has been some interest in that expressed from the regulators themselves. Acting Chair Willie Phillips, who has a background in reliability issues, told me that he's interested in working out some of the differences between the markets in particular, including the mismatch schedule issue. And just in general, FERC has taken a pretty active role in recent years in trying to improve these ongoing reliability issues that we keep seeing during the wintertime. Another entity who's taking control is the North American Energy Standards Board. They're examining this issue and are expected to deliver a report that will also kind of dictate where FERC goes in terms of implementing solutions. And a lot of it will kind of, again, come down to where are regulators in the industry willing to spend a little bit of extra insurance money in some ways, whether that's on additional site fuel on site for natural gas or some sort of incentive to keep the gas markets more aligned with the electricity side. But again, a lot of those costs are difficult to figure out because it might come out of the consumer's pocket. Also, Republicans on the House Oversight Committee are launching a new investigation into the Energy Department's climate spending. On Wednesday, the panel requested documents and information from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm to review how DOE is distributing funds under the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the CHIPS and Science Act. 
Republicans said they plan to put the funding from those laws under a microscope to, quote, ensure proper oversight of its new and expanding programs and protect our country's energy security. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Nirmal Malaykul, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.